Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this is the first uh, podcast of the new parliament. Um, we can't call it the 2017-22 parliament because we've no idea how long it will actually last. And it's no use asking my first guest for, for, for a prediction because anybody who listened to last week's podcast will know he said we'd have a Tory majority of 80 by now. <laughs> It's John Walker, political editor of the Birmingham Mail. Hello. What have you got to say for yourself, John? I'm never making a prediction again. <laughs> all, all I say is I didn't get this any more wrong than I got my prediction that Hillary would be US president wrong or that the UK would remain in the EU wrong. So. Or indeed that Ed Miliband would be prime minister in 2015. I may have said Ed Miliband would be prime minister. <laughs> I, might, I might give up on the prediction emails, uh, prediction podcasts uh, in future because they just end up making everybody, including myself, look silly. To be fair, what you should have said there, John, is what did you predict? Because I predicted a majority of 100. Yes. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll go high or I'll go lower. I thought high was a better bet. Um, but there you go. Nobody got it right. Uh, I'm also delighted to be joined by an MP for the first time in a few weeks. Um, it's friend of the podcast and newly returned MP for Aberdeen North, survivor of the SNP apocalypse and deputy leader of the Westminster group of SNP MPs, Kirsty Blackman. Hi, not quite an apocalypse, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's being reported, isn't it? Who's, I've not seen anybody say the word apocalypse. SNP lost. They got hammered, apparently. SNP won 35 out of 59 seats. That's pretty amazing. Well, that is true, but it is being recorded. Well, something went wrong, though. What went wrong? We didn't get enough votes. Oh, don't start that. Who said, no, somebody true. said that on election night as if they were oh, Eric Pickles. You've just made the same joke as Eric Pickles. Are you proud? <laughs> I'm just going to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we didn't, we didn't convince enough people to vote for us. I mean, you know, we've been pretty clear that we're going to mull over what happened and, you know, reflect and speak to as many people as possible about what happened in their local constituencies because I think it's quite different in my constituency and the ones around mine mm. what happened compared to what happened in you know, yes. some of the West Coast Glasgow constituencies. So I think we need to look at all of the issues that we had. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, there's been talk about um, the UK being sort of divided in the sense of the cities have, have gone red and the shires are blue and all the rest of it. Uh, Scotland's a bit odd as well, isn't it? In the sense that you've got your bit of the world, the North East has gone blue, obviously not mm-hmm. entirely, and the borders, and then the middle hasn't gone red, but that's where Labour won. Labour didn't win anything outside the central belt, did they? Don't think so. No, I don't think they did. Um, so the, there's a lot of geographical divides in Scotland, as well and as we've, all the other divides. We've, we've kind of got the kind of most of the cities are yellow, um, and yes. the rural areas are some of them are blue or orange. Um, yes, but we've still got some yellow ones as well. True, although it was tight, wasn't it? There's was a lot of tight elections. Amazing, yeah. Um, Stuart Hosey had a, a Tory surge in Dundee East. Well, you still There's won no by Tories significant in. I know, but they came second. There's no Tories in Dundee, is there? Have you been to Dundee's? Yeah, well, I've been to Dundee. I never met any Tories there. You know, they all live in like Fife, Northeast Fife, <laughs> or yeah, I don't know, or other places. No, um, there were some amazingly close elections. So mm. um, Pete Wishart in yes. Perth and North Perthshire won by 21 votes, I think. Yeah. Um, and when his when his result was announced, you know how they tell you the numbers. So they said eighteen thousand seven hundred and sixty-three, yeah. and then they said eighteen thousand seven hundred and eighty-four or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he didn't realise he'd won. 
because because oh. the numbers were just so big and confusing, you know. Um, and um, S- Stephen Gethins and yeah. both his majority, as they're known. <laughs> he won by two votes. That was amazing. It's unbelievable. Uh, I don't know who they, I've seen something about who these people are. Somebody tried to track down who the people were or something, so he could personally say thank you. Or something. Uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few He's people who've written to him and said, "I am, you know, one of those." I am two your people. majority. Um, and wow. people are claiming to be the majority there but um, it shows every vote counts so you yes, should always vote absolutely well, how much does that impact you as an MP now because um, I was just talking to somebody who was saying obviously last time you were returned uh, let's face it they could have put a donkey with a yellow rosette and it would have won the election because it was his SMP tsunami this time you are returned on your record mm-hmm. so that changes things and also uh, the elections are close uh, you know there are lots of seats where there are really small majorities um I'm not suggesting you were sitting on your laurels before, not you, but as a group. But it must impact how you're going to then go forward because you know that you've got to keep... I don't know, you've got to keep everybody on side, or I don't know, you tell me how it There are also a few where we um, won, uh, where we lost by just a few votes. Um, So there are quite a few close seats in Scotland in general. Um, So, you know, it's it's not just about the ones that we we won by a few votes. Um, But, yeah, I think it's always going to be a different dynamic when you're having... We've only got one new MP, mm. so we've got a number of returning MPs. Mm. So it's totally different from 2015. When, yes, indeed. You know, 50 of us came in here having never been. You know, most of us have not even been in the building before. Yeah. Um, and you know, we didn't know anything about it. We had to suddenly learn everything. To actually, we've now got really experienced politicians, many of whom have spent time on the front benches and things. So, actually, we've got. It's going to be a totally different dynamic, and we just have to see how it plays out. And are you all playing jokes on David Linden? Because he is your new, one new MP. Um, Are you all telling him to go to the wrong place and David, making him go in the ladies' toilets and I don't know what else? David worked for an MP before. He did. So he knows Parliament pretty well. That's true. I saw um, him the other day and I was like, oh, there's David Linden. And I was like, oh, no, he's an MP now. So he knows the procedural stuff better ah, than many of the MPs do. That's true. So you, can't, you can still try and play tricks at him just for a laugh. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll work. He's okay. pretty sharp. I have a question. Yes. From an, an English perspective, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the only issue about Scottish politics that most English people really even sort of know enough to, to ask yeah. a question about. Um, the SNP still got far more than half the seats, 35, wasn't it, out of... Yeah. Um, so it's still dominates Scottish politics, but the way it was reported was that this result uh, of the SNP you know, losing a significant number mm. um, means that Indyref 2 is off the agenda. We're not going to have another Scottish independence referendum because of this result. Is that true? Nicola's been tweeting about this. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you check Nicola Sturgeon's Twitter, there's there's a bit about this. Um, And basically what she's been what she said since the election results, so on Friday when she gave a speech, she said, look, we're going to reflect. We're going to look at um, the reasons that we did win places and the reasons that we didn't win places and speak to as many people as possible about that. I don't think there is a need for us to take a super quick decision on anything right mm-hmm. now. I think it was much more sensible to um, calm down, chill out, have a look and see um, what the reasons were kind of across the country um, and then make informed decisions after that. No, no, no. I don't think you should chill out at all. I think you should all panic and <laughs> run around like headless chickens and make knee-jerk reactions. That's far more fun. It's not really particularly in my nature to do that. That's true, it's not. But that's interesting, your answer, because exactly precisely because that's not in your nature, you are saying sensible things. However... <laughs> There are headbangers in your party who are saying, oh, this means we need to have Indie F2 next week. We need to go harder, faster. I couldn't possibly use the word headbangers. Um, There are people within the party that have, you know, tweeted to say, 
right, we should have indie ref right now. Mm. And there are people within the party that have tweeted to say we should never have indie ref or we yes. should have it in 30 years' time. So, yeah, there's a huge broad spectrum. But the SNP's always been a really broad church. You know, so, everybody within the SNP is in favour of independence. Um, mm-hmm. But that is kind of the, the strongest glue that holds us together. Fair to say it's kicked down the road, though, till probably after the 2021 election. We, the position is still the same as it was before. Um, but, you know, we... What, we before 20, spring 2019? The... We're not taking any snap decisions on whether to change our minds on this or not. So I think, you know, um, uh, I, it might be by the time this podcast comes out that Nicholas stood up and made announcements. Um, <laughs> yes. So we, d- we don't know. But I think it's I think it's totally reasonable for our leadership team to make sensible, informed decisions on this. Uh, you bring up the leadership team. Let's just cover that off because obviously your Westminster leadership team were defeated. Uh, yeah. Angus Robertson beaten by, uh, who beat him? Uh, Douglas Ross, the uh, linesman, the notable football referee man. Angus Robertson, he's been uh, the best performer, consistent performer at PMQs in Westminster yeah. in recent years. Well, hello Westminster, welcome to Scottish politics. doesn't really matter whether you're any good or not, when mm. there's these big, massive forces unleashed as they have been since 2014, you just either win or lose, you know, it's like, and yeah. huge majorities have been wiped out, what, he had 10,000 majority or something, you know, it just gone like that it's, it's bizarre same yeah. with um, good friend of the podcast Roger Mullen he had a massive majority didn't he who gone. did he lose to was it a Tory yes Douglas Ross the Tory linesman he's an international linesman in right. football games John football are you familiar with football uh, not really um, they, have, they have men like, sometimes women know, they run the line and I, I, I make in- decisions I interrupted you and I should let you get on with what you were saying but I mean that's fascinating to me that's something I would love to understand better how the Tories did this in Scotland um so, the Tories didn't do it across the board in Scotland. Um, you're going to get reasonable Kirsty, not um, SNP Kirsty here. Um, <laughs> you made that um, distinction, no, I didn't. So, the Tories didn't do this across the board in Scotland. There are areas that they won, um, and you know a, a core of that was in the northeast of Scotland. Now, the northeast of Scotland historically, if you look back thirty mm. years, was Tory. Um, mm. So, actually, there is there is people. There are lots of people that are now voters that were voters then that voted Tory. So. You know, it's it's something that you have within particularly farming communities, fishing communities, um, and the northeast of Scotland is is fairly affluent as well. Um, mm. So you know, there is there is, I suppose, potential Tory tendencies in in some mm-hmm. of those areas. I'm still gutted about it. You know, we yeah. lost Angus Robertson, we lost um, Callum, Callum McKeague, the next leader of the Westminster Group, <sighs> as I've been saying for the last two years. And then he goes and gets beat. Them. Well, um, you and Callum have worked together for 11 years. Yes, you know, I do. You're practically crazy. married. I said you're like the Laurel and Hardy of Scottish politics. <laughs> I, t- I would like to think of a better... I can't think of a better... The Anton Deck. There you go, the Anton Deck. The Anton Deck. Wow, that's a fabulous compliment. He's got quite a big forehead. He'd, he'd obviously have to be the big... He's well, taller than you as well. You'd have to be... Which one? You'd have to be Deck. You'd have to be Ant. Um, I will tell him this. He'll be delighted. He'll be listening, right? He's got nothing better to do with his time now. (laughs) He always said he used to listen to the ones that only he was on. Now he can listen to the whole back catalogue. That'd be a great day, listening to a back catalogue of these podcasts, wouldn't it? Um, Yes, he's not going to be the next Westminster leader. Uh, We're not going to talk about who is, because by the time this podcast goes up, we'll probably know who it is. Uh, It's happening this evening. But... um, the candidates at the moment are Joanna Cherry, Ian Blackford, and Joe Hendry, uh, one from the northeast, the northeastish, I suppose. In Joe Hendry, um, you know, what are you looking for from your new Westminster leader? Are you looking for, I don't know, a managerialism, a period of calm, or are you looking for indie ref uh, fundamentalism? What are you, what are you looking for? I think because we've got a group of thirty-five, but despite having 
a group that's smaller than the previous group, do, you know, because of the way this parliament is, we're going to wield a fair amount of influence because, you know, the parliament is so close. Mm-hmm. So there are things that we could do that could have real influence on the government. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see somebody that can hold us together as a team, mm-hmm. um, somebody that will be able to, everybody will be able to get behind. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I think any of the three candidates yeah. could could achieve that. Um, I would like to see somebody that will basically use all of our talents um, and you know allow people to, to use their talents. So, yeah, I, I think there is kind of a managerial nature to that. But it's yeah. about bringing folk on. Yeah, well, that's interesting. It's interesting that, you know, people are going to have to come on. In a way, I don't know if it's a good thing, but obviously Angus Robertson, while you had the Super Six who had experience, um, the 2015 intake, you know, he obviously gave you all jobs and all the rest of it. But when a vacancy like this arises, for whatever reason, suddenly it's an opportunity for somebody to actually step up and for other ones as well to, to establish a new Super 6 or a whole new super team of more than six. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we won't uh, dwell on this because I say by the time this is up, we'll know who it is. And um, But who knows when the first PMQs will be anyway? That is true. Um, but there's more to be a leader than just PMQs, isn't there, I guess? There is. Abs- no, absolutely. But, you know, um, yes. we were talking about PMQs and, and our leader performing at PMQs. True. So um, yes. I think it will be... I'm glad we're going to have a leader in place before PMQs so that we can True. have somebody up there. Uh, Callum McKeague, of course, was very good at PMQs. But Callum was fabulous help him. at PMQs. I did like his new uh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter bio, which is asked a good question once. Um, the election, John. Uh, talking yes. about fundamentalists and all the rest of it. We've got fundamentalists in government now, haven't we? The DUP. Well, I don't know. To this? I mean, are you looking forward to this parliament now? Am I looking forward to it? From our point of view as journalists, our selfish point of view, it's, yeah. it's probably rather good because there's going to be so much to write about and uh, there is. chaos is good for our trade, but for the country, I don't think it's a good thing at all. It's a disaster. I mean, the DUP are um, a party with views that mainstream opinion in this country would now consider to be fairly unpleasant. All, all the mainstream mm. parties, Tories, as well as Labour and the Lib Dems, are now firmly in favour of gay rights, for example, the DUP are not the DUP are opposed to abortion. But although people are focusing on the DUP's views on social issues and some people have expressed concern about them being having a role in mm. the UK government, they're, they're probably not going to affect policy. I mean, these things are all free votes in the House of Commons anyway if they That's come true. up. And yes. it's not as if um, Theresa May is going to turn around and say we're going to change the law and um, yeah. abolish same-sex marriage or anything like that it's not going to happen it's more a sort of cons- some people simply object to the idea that people who hold these views could have any sort of role in government but the other issue that comes up a lot and um i've, I've admitted that i'm not an expert on scottish one of those things where when when, when you learn <laughs> you're about an expert something, northern irish politics you learn enough to know that it's actually you don't know very much northern irish politics even more so but yeah. the concern a lot of people have expressed is that the dup are obviously um represent one of the communities in northern ireland yes um they're trying to form a new power sharing agreement with yes. Sinn fein who represent the nationalist republican yeah. community what everyone wants to call them um and the, the british government usually presents itself and tries as best it can to be a sort of neutral arbiter yeah. in all of this but if the dup are now part of the british yes. government how can the british government do that um with great difficulty, but it's not impossible. I think. I, I, I think people are like panicking a bit much. Mm. I don't. I don't know. It's one of those things when you're, you know, old like I am, like you are, John. We can all remember when the IRA were doing all sorts of terrible things. We can that remember was things twenty much years worse. ago. 
Yeah. So I think we're far enough away that we're not going to ha- we're not thinking about going back to that. One of the one of the newspapers is reporting that um, Theresa May is putting holding power before peace in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that issue about the Good Friday Agreement. The other thing is that the way that Northern Ireland politics has changed now, the only people that you've got elected are people that are yes. on the kind of extreme yes. fringes mm. on both sides. And actually, Northern Ireland voted to remain. Yes. And we have nobody in Parliament representing Northern Ireland that supports Remain. <laughs> yes, that's um, true. Yes. Because we've, because the Sinn Féin don't take their seats. Yes. So, you know, we don't have those SDLP voices that we previously had that would support Remain and would be that voice for Northern Ireland. All we've got is people that are pro-Brexit. Hmm. And that's not the voice that Northern Ireland, that's not where they stood on the election. So it's bizarre. Although, I think I'm right in saying the DUP are pro a very soft Brexit. I mean, this is yeah. the thing about the DUP... Well, they're they're not a an all they're a right wing party in some ways, but they're a sort of right wing working class parties on on economic issues. They're fairly sort of left wing. I mean, it's not it's not so much a soft Brexit that they want. It's a frictionless border. Yeah, that's so. Mm. The the issue is the border. Mm. It's not to do with um, economic protection of the UK. It's to do with making sure that the border is as frictionless as possible. That's certainly what I understand from the DUP manifesto. Yeah, we're all trying to become on experts <laughs> on DUP, aren't we, all of a sudden? I remember, you know, we used to share an office with somebody from the uh, Irish Times. Yes. I remember him well saying that the thing with the unionists like the DUP is that they used to think that people in the rest of the UK actually cared, that they were holding the line for the union, when in fact most people in Britain have no interest in Northern Irish politics and just no. go, it's a bit weird, make it go away, as long as they don't come over... You know, causing trouble like in the troubles, uh, we're quite happy just to let them get on. I, with. I must admit, I've not. I've tried my best to kind of avoid it. I've, there's lots yeah, of other things that, I, that have been occupying mm-hmm. my mind, and it hasn't been. It's uh, uh, yeah, it's complicated until and, now. And it's it's worth noting, as you made the point, that um, in in the past, the Ulster Unionist Party, the the party that represented unionists here in Westminster, was. Yes. party called the Ulster Unionist yes. Party, which is a different party. Mm. That's the traditional sister party of the Conservatives, and, and yes. that's the party that actually propped up uh, John Major's government yeah. way back when. Uh, do I want to lead with my chin here? Uh, no. Yeah, I will. John Major, right. Uh, first of all, he was an absolute honker of a Prime Minister. Why is anybody listening Sorry, to him? Sorry, what does that mean? It? it means he was rubbish, wasn't he? Really? John Major was a disaster. You know, you remember, the 90s were awful. Um, and... As I remember it, the Tories couldn't do the Good Friday Agreement. You know, it had to wait for a Labour government to do the Good Friday Agreement because the Tories weren't quite the honest brokers because obviously they had the history and Thatcher and, you know, blowing up Brighton Hotel and all the rest of it. That you could, Although the Tories started the peace process, it had to be a Labour government. It had to be Tony Blair that finished it. That's how I remember it. Am I wrong? Well, it was... Tony Blair but it had to be. finish it. I was like, like six. Yeah, so, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, John Major started the process yeah. off. I but mean, the Tories couldn't a... get over that line to finish it because of all their history and all the rest of it. Like the Nationalists wouldn't quite trust them. Whereas Tony Blair, as a Labour politician, and obviously Mo Molan, could were more. Yeah, seems more I, I, I don't think things are terrible. I mean, in those days. The Nationalists also were a different party, as, as we mentioned, it was True. the SDLP. And today, you know, the the idea that we'd be talking about the British government being an honest broker between sort of the loyalist unionist faction, yeah. the more extreme unionist faction, and Sinn Féin, the political wing of the IRA, is 
It's just a completely different situation from the 90s. It is. Uh, Should we move on from stuff that we don't really know what we're talking about to stuff, other stuff that we don't really know what we're talking about? Let's quickly knock off, uh, we haven't actually talked about the two main parties, (coughs) right? The Tories, who won and lost the election, and the Labour Party, who lost and won the election. I'm quite confused by all this. Um, Tories won, they're in power, DUP going to prop them up. How long is this uh, government going to last? This is... Make a prediction. I'm not going to make a prediction. This is a lesson in what happens if you fail to manage expectations. Now, Conservatives got a higher share of the vote than at any time since 1983. Yes. They got a higher share of the vote yes. than Thatcher's 1987 landslide. Yes. Than John Major in 92. Yes. And then uh, David Cameron in 2010. Now, we, I know share doesn't count for anything. So if you become an MP, John, I said, how long is this government going to last? Um... What I'm saying is that this is not quite the... We're not seeing the death of the Conservative Party. No, and no. It's not the triumph for Labour that some Labour people think it is. I think that Tory MPs are desperate for this government to last until Brexit is out of the way. Yeah. They don't want an election. They're scared of losing an election. Some Labour yeah. MPs, you know, are scared of losing an election if they have it now too. They don't want one either. Of course not, because they'll lose again. Um, they're all idiots. Mm. Uh, what are they all doing standing up and cheering Jeremy Corbyn? Oh, well done, you lost. What's wrong with them? Yes. Well, uh, and standing up and cheering Jeremy Corbyn, who they have been briefing against. Yes. yes. You know, the individuals that cannot stand Jeremy Corbyn, who've said that he's unelectable. Do you remember when Jeremy Corbyn he's was unelectable? unelectable? He just lost. And he's not unelectable. He's, he is, he's just majority. Lost. It's like 30,000 oh, or something in his ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he... Well, in his own constituency. Yeah, in his own constituency. Yeah, it's crazy. That doesn't... Um, but, but he is absolutely electable, and there is no doubt that if what so, he has done has improved their vote share. I think mm. it did. And what Theresa May did lost her vote share because she's rubbish at campaigning. Yes. Which is crazy. Jeremy Corbyn, on the other hand, is yeah. very good at campaigning, but he's rubbish in the chamber. Yes. Um, so You should have some sort of joint premiership. You should get together and be friends. If, oh, that if would work. Jeremy Corbyn have is, a grand is coalition. Why did he come nowhere close to actually winning this election against the worst Conservative campaign because anybody could imagine? he's a bigger bampot today as he was six weeks ago. But he's just got more MPs. If you think about the point he was coming from, where they were coming from, their kind of low position in the polls, for example, that they were, that they were coming from, actually what he achieved is pretty momentous. Um, what, he lost an election? Yeah, he did lose an election, absolutely, but he won lots of seats. Big woo, you lost. It's a numbers game, you know that. Yeah, but I think I genuinely think it's clear that some people voted Labour because of Corbyn. Yes. Mm, yes. And I think that that is impressive. Um, And, you know, I think we should give him kudos for that. Yeah. What what a lot of, (laughs) what some Labour MPs will say, and, and they're not impartial because a lot of these Labour MPs still don't like Jeremy Corbyn. They haven't yeah. changed their views. They, they would say that they did well with young people with students, which yes. is brilliant. They actually did well with sort of the metropolitan yes. middle classes. Yes. And um, to some extent they did well with uh, what nowadays for some reason we call BAME voters, black yes. and ethnic minority yes, voters. But they still aren't doing well with working class, white working class voters yeah, 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 who yeah. think they need. Mm. They still haven't won back people who used to vote Labour but are now refusing to vote Labour because of Corbyn. Yes. And they say that a lot of their... A significant proportion of their vote came from people who were only willing to vote for them because they were convinced Jeremy Corbyn could not become Prime Minister. And actually, right. what's happened is that, well, 
but what happened may actually be a, a problem for them because nowadays <laughs> people think, well, maybe he could. I do like the bad on, it was on question time on Friday who said, basically, we've got such a disastrous result that Labour should have just rolled over and let Theresa May win because mm. <laughs> at least then you'd have a proper government. Was it? But that would have been an interesting strategy. I, I should just say, in fairness, um, you're absolutely right that it, in many ways this was a, a triumph for Jeremy Corbyn, but I'm, I'm reacting really to some of these slightly over-the-top It's not a triumph, right? Basically, everyone heard. thought he was going to fall over. He didn't fall over. That's not a triumph. I think he showed that he's a good campaigner. And I think, you know, their manifesto genuinely inspired passion in people and got people behind it. You know, and but not enough people. No, no, but considering the fact that we have had... I don't even know how many elections. Um, my daughter's well, three and this was her uh, sixth <laughs> election. Yes, right? Scotland, for, for passion to be inspired in people about politics right now in this climate is pretty impressive, I think. Now, you know, I think Jeremy Corbyn has got a load of flaws. I think he's rubbish in the chamber. I think he's yes. a, not a good leader yes. um, because he cannot get the PLP behind him. Um, and I, that you need that in the Labour Party because that's the way that they are set up. However, I would give him kudos for his campaign and for his manifesto. I think what he personally did did win votes. You are very you know, reasonable, aren't you? Is, is yeah. this your you're reduced by <laughs> majority? You're now going to be all reasonable. Yeah, yeah, come on. I've always been Say something offensive James. about seagulls or something. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not as if um, in 2015 the Conservatives won a massive majority. It wasn't a landslide. It was, uh, well, I can't remember what it was now, 12, was it? Yeah, or so? something like that. Um, and parties do come from losing an election where, by, where one party has a majority of 12. Mm. Oppositions do, do win from that yes, position. Yeah, yeah. It's not unusual. OK, well, let's, uh, is it worth trying to get predictions out of you? Does anybody want to make any sort of predictions at all today? Or are we avoiding predictions? What I want to ask is, Theresa May, how long she got? General consensus is they'll let her drag through Brexit and then dump her once Brexit. I think the Tories want her to stay there for about two years or so. Yeah, so it's Brexit, exactly the way. And we'll finish off with, this all ties in together today, sort of. It's not that I had to go and listen back to the last podcast of the last parliament to remember what the I love your questions, what question was. But after this jingle... I love your questions. I love your questions. I love your questions. The question that Roger Mullen, poor dear departed Roger Mullen, that was heartbreaking. Who am I going to have my podcast now? It's going to have to be you every week, Kirsty, if Roger's not here. I'm absolutely um, <laughs> gutted to lose Roger. He's an amazing MP. He was such a character. The question he set, which is a bit weird in the, in the light of the result, was who should be the next leader of the opposition? Uh, I think he was assuming oh. that there would be a vacancy uh, at this point, but there's not. Um, but there might be one in the next few years. Who should be the next leader of the opposition? Amber Rudd. Oh, so you're saying Jeremy wins the next election. See, that's why it's a good question. <laughs> and Amber Rudd takes over the Tories. Okay, good answer. Uh, although she wasn't, I don't think she was that impressive. Everybody's sort of talking her up. She's all right. It's a well, sign of the sort of lack of talent that she was. I think on, in the Tory campaign, being going on Italian, being all right was pretty good. True, that's true. Um, you can't say who's going to be the leader of the opposition because we don't know who's going to lead the SNP yet. And presumably, if we did, that's who you would say. <laughs> Fair to say, the yeah, real no, no. leader of the real opposition. The leader of the real opposition, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, who should be the leader of the ne- next leader of the opposition? I, I don't know because you know I can't call whether it will be Tory or whether it will be Labour. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, and I don't even know who the next leader of the Tories is going to be. I think. Keir Starmer is a good bet for the next leader of the Labour Party. Um, is he going to use anyone? I think I think he's very good. 
Yeah, but is um, he going to enthuse anyone? And I think, well, he doesn't need to. He needs to get his party behind him. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really need to, you know, that's what he needs to do to, to get power. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think I think he's a good bet. I think Yvette Cooper's been widely tipped um, yeah. to lead as well. Um, and I don't know in the Tories. I think they're significantly lacking talent. Um, you know, they've got very few leadership candidates. It's quite scary. There you go. I'll call it. Right. I'll go prediction. I'll go all in. Right. I'll go all in here. Right. Next election will be in a few years' time. And Labour a few years' time. You're, years you're time. predicting that, are you? Yeah. Well, some people are saying it's going to be in a few months' time. I don't think that's I, I know. That's why I'm asking. Uh, Labour will lose. Labour will finally get bored of losing. They had to lose four times last time before they realised that actually getting beat time and time again is not a lot of fun uh, and they will turn to Ellie Reeves Ellie Reeves sister of Rachel uh, I said the next Labour Prime Minister will get elected at this election it will be Ellie Reeves she will have Rachel Reeves as her Chancellor and will have this interesting sister act will uh, lead Labour to victory in 2026 look at that there's a prediction for you well, we're in 2017. You can put that away for nine years. Yeah, no, I'm not going to forget. In 2026, if it doesn't come true, I am going to remind you. <laughs> right, there we go. And on that bombshell... Right, that's uh, last week's I Love Your Questions. I still need to get somebody to voice over, give me a new voiceover for the uh, jingle, and I need a new question for next week. Gusty Blackman, what is your question for I Love Your Questions? I want to ask, what's your favourite place to visit? Favourite place to visit? Oh, OK. Um... Oh, I've got to think about that. I can't give any sort of witty answer yet. Uh, we'll see whoever's on next week, what they say. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I will say, yeah, I will close this uh, podcast. If there's a, I don't know if there's going to be a PMQs next week. If there was, well, is there, we'll hope to get one of the... Uh, I know, there can't be. Um, the earliest no, questions was possibly going to be was the 22nd. Yes, because you can't uh, table questions, can you? Because there's no state opening and all the rest of it okay well who knows we'll have one this week's on the podcast next week then um but we'll have somebody on the first pmqs after that uh if you want to get in touch to laugh at my predictions then i am at political yeti on twitter i am political yeti at gmail.com on email and my website is james-miller.com uh thank you to Kirsty blackman thank, thank you, you to john walker and uh tune in next week for another of political yeti's politics podcasts thank you <laughs>